Oh, yep, and surround sound. Very nice. All right, good morning, everyone. Uh, it's my privilege to read God's word to you this morning. And so uh, this one is entitled Jacob's Dream. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed. And behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poiled oil on, top, on the top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was Luz at the first then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I, can, uh, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house, and of all that you give me I will give a tenth to you. Thanks, John. Behold, I think it just means be in awe of God, <laughs> be in awe. Did you see how many times it was repeated in that passage? Be in awe of this God. We're travelling through uh, the back half of Genesis chapter 50, uh, 12 to 50. We're now at chapter 28 and we're exploring this theme of a God who is faithful to the promise, faithful to his promises to his people we're uh, particularly looking at Abraham, Isaac, Jacob and Joseph and uh, we've covered Abraham over the last sort of four weeks and we're now uh, sort of moving through to Isaac and Jacob, sort of skipping through Isaac and into Jacob and we're going to look at uh, their stories as well. If you've been reading through those and I encourage you to do that, uh, read through them sort of multiple times, uh, uh, ponder them, uh, consider them. Uh, and look at their lives and look as what we've been saying as a faithful God at the faithful God who interacts with their lives because as I've been saying the stories themselves are not about the people oh no that's not true not totally about the people they're about a loving God who is faithful to his people despite how they may live or act around him and so as we read uh, now Isaac and Jacob's stories uh, there's a sense that not much changes. If you read through here, um, 
They're different people, but pretty well the same situations that we've been coming across. Uh, there's barrenness. Uh, the wives can't get pregnant. Um, there's people lying and de- deceiving. Uh, wives uh, are being lied. Ab- uh, sorry, the lies continue on, like Abraham did. Uh, uh, they also lie about their wives being their sisters. Uh, they get other women to try and um, keep the, the, the promise going uh, of children coming through them. Um, there's famines that come on board and people sort of have to um, take into account that there are people who are taking things into their own hands. Uh, and in many ways, the story with Isaac and Jacob is a similar story to what was happening with Abram. In some ways, it may even be worse. Uh, Jacob's name means liar and deceiver. And um, as we know from the, the, the promise at his birth that uh, the older will serve the younger, um, and we see how that comes about. And as we're reading through this, I think you, you've got to be asking, what is God doing? How is he working this? Because it seems mayhem. It seems like God has chosen these dysfunctional, broken, messed up people and yet he's chosen them to continue to have his promise be lived out. So he tricks his brother Esau out of the birthright, which probably says something about Esau as well, but we won't go into that. Then he lies to his father on his deathbed and he even calls God into that lie. His mother is complicit, showing favoritism and dysfunction in the family. And now, after he's gone through with that, his brother wants to kill him and he's now on the run away from it. And you thought your families were dysfunctional and you thought you lived a messed up life. (laughs) And yet the theme through these passages and through the Bible, is they're exactly the people that God chooses to have his promise continue. They're the people that God chooses to reveal his grace and his mercy and his power. The messed up. If we think Old Testament, um, sorry, think New Testament, it was the weak, the broken that I choose to reveal. And so here he is, Jacob in chapter 28. He's in disgrace because he's fleed from his family. He's in fear of his life. He's on his own. He's got no one around him. There's no family. There's no future and there's no hope. That's pretty well where we find Jacob in this passage. And again, we must surely, if you were reading this for the first time, you've got to be wondering what is going on here? What is God up to? and I think I've repeated this sentence a number of times already, is the hardest thing about being a Christian is not knowing what God is up to and trusting and believing him that he is up to something, despite how we may feel, despite the circumstances we find ourselves in. Why has he chosen people like this? So here is Jacob, and this sort of sermon plays on this... um, idea of wandering and wandering. So here's Jacob wandering as it, with the A, so wandering through the desert. He's by himself somewhere out in the sticks. Uh, and I'm sure he's wandering, thinking, what's God up to? What's going on in this situation? I don't even know if he's actually thinking about God or not. 
And in that situation, God comes to him. And I wonder whether you're, and I'm sure you've all had situations like this, where you're wandering through life, you're a bit aimless, you're not sure how it's all going to work out. You're wondering what God's up to, how he's working, what's going on in my life. Maybe you're a bit directionless, that you find yourself in a deserted place, that you're alone and you've got a rock as a pillow. <laughs> I always think that's funny. That's what Jacob does. He doesn't you read that. He gets a pillow and it's a rock. I don't think he would have slept well that night. And so today's service, and I think this is what God does with, with, with Jacob, and I think this is what God wants to do with you this morning, is he wants to wake you up to the wonder of who he is and who you are because of him. And so God comes to Jacob in a dream. And it's the uh, stairway to heaven dream, probably many of you are familiar with. Jacob uh, in this place has a dream and there's a stairway that goes up to heaven and there are angels uh, going up and down on it. And at the top of the, st- the stairs is God. And God speaks to him. And what does God speak to him? It's the same promises that we've been hearing, that have been coming to Abraham, Isaac, and now Jacob. It's the promise that I will give you descendants. Uh, you are going to be on this land. Your descendants are going to be as numerous as the dust on the earth. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed because of you and your ancestors and your offspring. And it's the same old, isn't it? We've heard this promise before. And it comes to someone who is in probably even a worse situation than we've heard before. Because Jacob's all alone, no family, no wife, no children. And God comes to him in that place and says, you are the one that I'm going to see this promise fulfilled through. He has nothing to offer. Nothing to offer God. And yet God chooses him. And I think that's similar for us, isn't it? Often we look at our own life and what do we have to offer? We fumble our ways through life. We mess it up. We mess, it's not going. And yet God says, I come to you and I'm, I've chosen you to be my offspring, the, the fulfillment of this promise that I've given here and to my church, that you will make me known in the world, that my glory and my descendants will continue on after me because of you. I've chosen you. And then the promise continues and it, it just echoes so much, doesn't it? We've been doing this, comparing it to the New Testament of what Jesus says to his disciples and he says to us, The promise continues, says, I will be with you, I will watch over you wherever you go. And I'll bring you back to this land, he says, and I will not leave you until I've done what I've promised to you. Hear the echo of Jesus' words? Jesus is almost quoting this as he says to his disciples and then says to us as the church, these promises are for you. I've chosen you and I will be with you, and I have given you power to fulfill this promise. So again, we get this story, and it's interesting, isn't it, in these promise. It's not, Jacob, you will do this, Jacob, you will do that, Jacob, you... What is it? It's God saying, I will do this through you. I will do this, I will do this, I will do this, I will do this, and I'll use you. Even though you don't have a wife, a family, a place to live or anything. 
You have nothing to offer, but I'm going to choose you to do it. And God is at work at fulfilling the promise despite the way it looks, despite the way it feels, despite what we think might be happening. And so in that place, God calls us to trust him and to be faithful to him and, as we've heard before, to be obedient to him. And I want to remind us, as a New Testament church, the people of God, the promises that have come to us, and I think I put them up here on a slide somewhere. Let's go to the next slide. Um, The promises of God is a new life for all who believe. That you have a new purpose and a new being, that you are the created people of God and he gives you a purpose and a meaning and identity. Not dependent on your circumstances, your jobs, your families, your situations, but dependent on how he sees you. His promise is that he will build his church He promised to give the Holy Spirit to give us fruit and gifts and power to be able to do this. He promised that all things are working for our good, even when it doesn't feel like it or look like it. He has promised us an inheritance that will never spoil or fade or disappear. That is your hope, your eternal future. He has promised that he is coming back again. And then the line that we don't often like, he has promised us, hardship, suffering, and attack. That as God's people on this earth, you will receive the brunt of spiritual attack. You will receive the brunt of living in a broken world. Jesus promised that to his disciples and to us. See, so that gives us a different perspective on these things, doesn't it? Because when those things come our way, it's not like God's left us. Now God's still with us and he's working in and through those situations to fulfill his promise, even though it doesn't feel nice and it's not nice to experience. And even um, as we pray into those situations, uh, as I keep saying, sometimes God chooses to change those, system- change those situations, sometimes supernaturally, dramatically, instantaneously, other times slowly and over time, and sometimes he says, no, I'll give you the power just to get through them. But he's not less in work in either of them, in any of them. And he's promised that he will be with us always, and all promises are yes in Jesus. We'll pick that up a bit later on. So your life, no matter how messy it is, how mixed up it is, is part of God's amazing promise that he is at work in you and that he is fulfilling his promise to the church, building it. And so we, what I want us to do just for the rest of this message and this service is focus now on Jacob's response to this. So this is, God comes to him and says, this is my promise to you, this is what I'm choosing to do. Despite, and then what, does, what is Jacob's response? I think it's one of the most remarkable responses that I've seen, and I nearly slipped past it. Uh, Jacob's response, he says, Surely God was in this place, and what? I was not aware of it. How awesome is this place? This is the house of God, this is the gate of heaven. 
And uh, pretty well from here on end, I just rip off a sermon from Stephen Furtick, uh, who, pre- who preaches uh, on this, and he's got, it's wake up to our wonder, or wake up to wonder. And he, he picks up on, on this idea that as Jacob has this experience with God and realises that God's with him, as he's in this place of wandering and wandering, God comes to him and he responds in this way. So think about the situations that you find yourself in, the dysfunction, the brokenness, the messed upness. Could this be our response? But surely the living God was in this place and I was not aware of it. And he says, I want you to wake up to the wonder that God is at work in all situations. And he gets up and he says, how awesome is this place? And as we read on later on, what's his response again? As they often are in these passages, he builds an altar. And what's that about? It's about he acknowledges who God is, who he is because of him, and it's an act of worship and says, this is unbelievable. And God turns up and he is his only hope in this situation. And in this dream as he's seeing the stairway go to heaven, and Steve Burdick does a great job in this. He says, you know, Jacob sees this stairway going to heaven, but he says, think about Jesus later on. Jesus builds a stairway down from heaven to earth, and he comes and he lives amongst us. He lives our lives, and then he goes to the cross for us, dies in our place. Surely we've got to be a sense of wonder about that, that the God pursues us to that extent, takes our punishment upon him. And then he does more than that. What does God do as he comes to earth on that stairway down again? He sets up an army, that's how he describes the church, to take that blessing to every part of the earth, to every sphere of life that you have been empowered and called to, to be a blessing. You've been blessed to be a blessing in your work situation, in your family situation, in your schooling situation, whatever situation, God calls you into that place. And this is what you do. You take the presence of God into that place. And surely, he says, surely God is at work in this place and I didn't even know it. Open your eyes, look for the work of God, believe this to be true, and it changes our perspective on everything. Because the promise is, I will be with you wherever you go, whatever situation you find yourself in, I will never leave you. And when Jacob awakes, he recognises that He's reawakened to the wonder of God and we're reawakened. Every Sunday when we gather here, this is part of our reawakening to understand who God is and who we are because of him and to be in awe of him, to be wondrously captured by him, to respond in worship and obedience to him. Surely the Lord was in this place and I was not aware of it. That is awesome news. And so God encounters us in our real-life situations and he turns them around. Because he says, I'm with you in them and I'm using them to reveal my glory. So God turns, it turns up in our doubt, in our confusion, and he presents his wonder. People of God wake up to his wonder. 
Wake up to his love. Be in awe of this God that pursues you in whatever situation you find yourself in. And how can this, and Steve Burdick goes on, how can this be the soundtrack of our lives? That we have this soundtrack of the sense of wow, of wonder that God's in it, rather than a soundtrack that says, oh, oh, not again, oh. And so many of us, that's our soundtrack, isn't it? Oh, what? Imagine if we can change that around to say, even despite this, there is a God who's at work, who's doing wonderful things. If I look at my life in the perspective of his big story, this is wonderful, this is amazing, this is awesome. He's the one that's going to sustain me through it. Or he's the one that can change it. Wow. That's a bit different. And this is where it goes. This is the beautiful bit. I love it. In Genesis chapter 35, 21 years later, Jacob comes back to Bethel. And he comes back to Bethel and he revisits it. Now he has family, 12 sons and servants and possessions and wealth beyond compare. He's back in this place at Bethel. Before he was alone... (laughs) With nothing. Now he has a family and the 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel. And he goes back to Bethel. And he says, Let's go up to that place where I built an altar. And he says, and he testifies, and he worships God. And he says, That in the day of my distress, God answered my prayer. He heard me in that place. He has been with me wherever I went. He has been at work in all my situations. And if you read through the life of Jacob, they were not pleasant situations. And he says, God has been faithful to me in those places. God's presence is with me in those places. And he says, you know, we say, um, how awesome is this place, the house of God? Think of the idea that the church is described for the house of God. You are the dwelling place. You are the gate of heaven. So in your places, in your situations, you get to bring the presence of God. You get to bring the wow factor in all of your situations. We carry the presence of God through his spirit, like I said, into our homes, our works, our schools. How awesome is this place? Because the God is there. God is here. He's with us in the midst of it. The glory of the Lord will come over the, water, over the world like waters. And how is that happening? It's through his church, through his creation, through his work amongst us. How awesome is his grace? How awesome are his promises? Wow, people. I listened to that, that, that Steve Furtick clip and I, unfortunately it's not online so I can't put it up. And it's definitely not my style of preaching. But I just can't let go of it. I just can't let go of this fact that this guy... And he, he preaches such powerful truth. And, I, and I'd love to be able to preach like him. <laughs> so that you guys would get some sense of how awesome and mighty and wonderful... And not just you guys, me. This, if this is true, this changes everything. This is wow, 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 people. Don't sit there and go... Ugh. If God is who he says he is, and you are because who he now says he is, that is awesome, that is wonderful. Yep, call him in, Scott. I'm going on. 
This is where we're going now. Youth band, come up. Because what's Jacob's response when he recognises all this? It's to worship. He builds an altar and he worships God. And that's why we've kept the bracket to the end. Because in response to this message, in response to this truth, there's only one thing we can do. <laughs> Say, wow, God, you are awesome. You are wonderful. You are mighty. You are unbelievable. And you are, your presence is in this place this morning. So stand up with me. We're going to go into a time of response, of worship, of praise uh, as the kids join us back here as well. Lead us away, guys, and let's worship.